0: From the Center for Strategic and International Studies, this is Citizens in Training, a podcast about the unlikely story of the United Arab Emirates Military Conscription Program. I'm John Alterman, a Senior Vice President here at CSIS, the Zbigniew Brzezinski Chair in Global Security, NGO Strategy, and Director of the Middle East Program.
1: And I'm Margo Balboni, a Research Associate in the Middle East Program. Last week on the podcast, we heard from Kristen Smith-Diwan, a senior resident scholar with the Arab Gulf States Institute in Washington and an adjunct professor at the American University School of International Service. We discussed the rise of a new nationalism in the Gulf and how that has set the stage for the UAE's conscription program and its efforts to construct a more unified identity.
0: In this episode, I speak with Dr. Calvert-Jones, an assistant professor of government and politics at the University of Maryland. Callie researches state led social engineering efforts and approaches to citizen building in the Middle East. Callie recently published a fascinating book on the United Arab Emirates called Bedouins into Bourgeois Remaking Citizens for Globalization.
1: I was excited to bring Callie onto the podcast as we found her work to be incredibly valuable as background research for our report on the UAE's National Service Program. As Cali notes, a military draft is not the first experiment by the UAE to cultivate a new type of citizen as the leadership recognized the need to adapt to a future that is less dependent on oil. Cali has thought deeply about how Emirati leaders have worked to instill greater individual self-efficacy in citizens on the one hand and a stronger sense of national allegiance on the other. Cali also highlights how social engineering efforts can sometimes produce unexpected or unintended outcomes.
0: Kali was also able to provide a view from outside the nation's political and economic capitals in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. Kali spent much of her time as a researcher in the UAE getting under the surface of the northernmost emirate called Ras al-Khaimah, which is sometimes referred to in English as RAC. RAK has a higher concentration of Emirati nationals and a lower concentration of wealth compared with neighboring emirates to the south. As a result, it's traditionally supplied a significant portion of the recruits into the UAE military. We dedicated a considerable amount of thought in our report to how this diversity in the UAE might affect the state's efforts to cultivate a new kind of relationship with its citizens. I'm glad we had an opportunity to explore this with Cali throughout our conversation. You did a lot of research in Ras al-Khaimah, and you wrote about efforts going back to 2008 to, to really try to engage with young people to help shape a different kind of Emirati citizen. What was that first program like?
2: At that time they were really, and they still are to be honest, experimenting with a lot of different types of programs and efforts to foster what I see as uh, more globalization ready citizens Um, what the ruling elites kind of want is this citizen that is going to be able to carry help carry the country forward into a post petroleum age and so those earlier efforts were really looking around for trying to answer questions like how can we foster citizens that are going to be more creative more critical thinkers are going to be able to and have the interest in working in the private sector being more entrepreneurial uh, rather than the more traditional uh, career path, which has been expecting a, a government job.
0: But this also had a sort of military component to it, both in the structure and also who's doing the training.
2: That's right. So the, the citizen training, the student citizenship program for El Biotic, um that I uh, looked at very carefully, did have this very strong military component to it.
1: That student citizenship program was in many ways a precursor to military conscription. What began as a leadership skills program taught in schools was rebranding into elbiotic or banners, which fused life skills with military education and police science. Here's Callie again.
2: It wasn't necessarily about preparing the citizens themselves, these youth, to actually fight on battlefields. Um, the idea um, that I got from those who had designed that program was that it, was, it really was more about instilling certain attitudes and values like uh, work habits, uh, responsibility, um, discipline, that the leaders saw as sort of necessary for the youth in general, um, as something that would help the youth become the sorts of globalization-ready citizens that um, the the leadership wants to see. And
0: then you talked about how it's not empowerment the way people think about empowerment in in sort of Western societies.
2: Yeah. So, the, you know, the kind of empowerment, I and mean, you hear this term a lot, obviously, thrown around in the UAE, you know, we're interested in empowerment, citizen empowerment. Right. It's not, I mean, it's, it's clearly, you know, the UAE is not like the United States. It is not a kind of political or democratic empowerment. It's more about... From their view, I think it's more about empowering citizens to take control of their lives um, economically and socially on these different dimensions of citizenship, um, but not in a not really in a political sense. You know what I found in the book uh, is that the the leaders were trying to instill this sense of directedness um, in youth that they felt that the youth were kind of uh, aimless in a sense. Um, we talked about the kind of idea of a lost generation that you hear the rulers um, mentioning a lot, um, and that they wanted to kind of instill this sense of directedness, this kind of ability, a stronger ability to kind of achieve goals um, in a way that is, in their view, empowerment, just not exactly the kind of democratic or political empowerment that we might think of.
0: One of the things that was most interesting about Callie's work are her observations about how the UAE government struggles to reconcile its current and its aspirational relationships with its citizens. On the one hand, the state is trying to cultivate globally competitive citizens who are responsible for their country's fate. On the other, the state traditionally has been a provider to the citizens, and that's fed a culture of youth entitlement This entitlement has often been inculcated through schooling, often with expatriate teachers, and the teachers reportedly feel they can never offend an Emirati.
2: There's a um, term that I use, which is um, entitled patriots. And it's just the idea that, um, based on my evidence, some of these reforms were really fostering citizens that were um, more nationalistic. So in a sense, they were more... Loyal, uh, more excited about the country, more uh, patriotic. Um, my survey findings showed that the students who'd gone through some of these education reforms um, were simply more, had a higher love of country. But at the same time, they were more uh, supportive of the idea that the citizen has a right to a government job. So that's that tension there for you, this tension between. Um, I think responsibility as citizens, we feel more strongly that we are Emirati citizens, but uh, but we also feel more strongly that we should be getting um, things like government jobs from the state. And in reading the report, um, I did think I did wonder about um, some, you know, what some of the unintended consequences of conscription might be for citizen attitudes. Um, is this? Is this the kind of uh, initiative effort that, by the state that is going to instill lifelong habits of discipline um, and uh, z- z- discipline and directedness and focus in a way that will spill over in a sense into economic development, for instance? Um, or is it something that is gonna be more of a been there, done that kind of phenomenon where you, know, you do your part and then you're rewarded with you know, a nice government job. And the report does mention some of these benefits that are being used as incentives, or, or uh, you know, being linked to the the conscription efforts. And so uh, that is something that I I thought that I, something I observed with my own research, where some of the students uh, were just would would t- tell me that, you know, we've, we've, we're in these harder schools, these schools are harder, you know, our projects are a lot harder, our homework is a lot harder critical thinking and creativity are hard so um, you know we should get these top government jobs so that's not really what the rulers wanted they wanted reforms that would prepare these students to compete in the private sector and be ready to take on those kinds of jobs not to create a sense of entitlement uh, a sense of now I will be rewarded for this with government jobs
0: Callie takes a crucial look at how the conscription program affects not just the male youth, but also women in the UAE. I want to ask you about gender. And you found that that females in high schools had different attitudes than males on, on a whole range of things, relationship to the state, attitudes toward cheating and lying. The conscription program is mandatory for men, voluntary for women. The number of women who've done it is very small. How do you see that? Playing out. Do you think that that there will likely be more of a convergence in attitudes between men and women? Do you think a differential experience will exacerbate differences between men and women? How would you project it based on on your research?
2: I mean, I would suspect that it will uh, kind of exacerbate this this gap that I see in uh, socialization in the emergence of citizenship attitudes, and I think in particular. It will make it, it will kind of worsen this sense that women are special, this kind of specialness um, that you see uh, linked to women um, in the UAE. Um, The fact that they're maybe, you know, it it might sort of worsen stereotypes like women are soft and uh, don't, can't fight or can't be involved in national service like this. I think that it could uh, worsen that in a way that is probably not going to contribute to more inclusivity um, and convergence of attitudes and um, may lead to more divergence, um, especially perhaps um, when it comes to the sorts of careers that men and women think are appropriate for them. Um, And that in turn could uh, continue to push that um, low female workforce participation rate that we see in the UAE, but also in the, the rest of the region.
0: Finally, you did most of your work, most of your field work in Ras al-Khaimah, one of the seven emirates, probably one of the the less wealthy, but more populous of the seven emirates. As you think about a program like conscription, what kind of lumpiness might there be in the emirates in terms of uh, how they think about the country, how they think about a sense of entitlement, how they think about their own future? It's a rather diverse country for a relatively small population. As you read it, were there things that you said, I wonder how that would go over in Ras al-Khaimah? I think that would be received differently in Ras al-Khaimah than it might be in Abu Dhabi or Dubai.
2: I did think that there would be some differences in the way uh, Emiratis perceive the program. And I was thinking about how these, uh, the armed forces have really evolved from this kind of Praetorian Guard style, uh, where it's about protecting the ruling family to more of a, a national army, where it's about the nation. And I think that in, in leading citizens to think more about the nation and the fact that it's not just these emirates, it's a nation, um, I do think that that is going to cast into sharper relief these issues of inequality that we see with the Northern Emirates being uh, very different um, socioeconomically. Um, from the Southern Emirates. And so I do think that, you know, people from Raq will probably be less enthusiastic about conscription, and it might become even more salient to them how very different their own relationship to the state, which increasingly is Abu Dhabi, um, is compared to those who are closer to the center of power.
0: That's a wrap on our conversation with Callie.
1: Citizens in Training will take a break next week, but we'll be back the following Tuesday when we'll turn to the military case for and against conscription. We'll talk to Dave DeRoche, a former defense official and a professor at the Near East South Asia Center for Security Studies. Dave is also a former U.S. Army Ranger.
0: In that episode, Dave also discusses some of the economic and social implications of building a conscription society.
1: You can read more about the UAE's conscription program in the full Citizens in Training report produced by the Middle East Program at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, or CSIS, as we like to call ourselves. You can find it along with a two-page executive summary at www.csis.org UAE conscription. If this is your first time listening to this series, don't forget to subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Share it with your friends and colleagues and let them know about this miniseries, too. Let us know what you think by tweeting us at CSISMideast.